taxes. You answered my podcast survey and overwhelmingly told us that that's what you want to hear about, taxes. Boy, you podcast listeners certainly know how to party, don't you? Well, we aim to please, so today's show is almost exclusively about reducing your taxes for 2018, since this year is going to be very different from previous years. We've got 10 ways to make sure you're properly prepared, and the fellas straighten out the cumbersome and confusing changes for small business owners. We're talking 199 Cap A, QBI, QCDs, plus something I never thought I'd hear, Joe and Big Al talking about when a Roth IRA might be wrong for you. And they tell Cynthia whether or not she's nuts to go with CDs in a traditional IRA. Here are a couple of nuts now. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. When it comes to tax reform, I think most people that listen to this program are probably fairly familiar with there was a few changes in individual tax rates, right? Not a ton, but a few. Um... There were some changes in deductions and no more exemptions and so on. So right. that, I mean, that was some small tweaks. But sure. on the small business side of things, th- there was some significant changes that is somewhat cumbersome and confusing. Yeah, there's a qualified business income deduction. QBI. QBI All for right. short. Uh, also known as 199 Cap A. That's, you know I like to say that. <laughs> 199 Cap A. Anyway, uh, so Joe, here's what it's all about. Well, I guess let me go back. Why it happened uh, is the corporate rate, the C corporation rate, was at a 34%, 35% for larger companies. It went down to 21%, from as high as 35% to as low as 21%. So some companies saved 14% on their taxes. And that, but that was only for C corporations, it big, large yeah, corporations. That's right, publicly the, held companies. Yeah, in the, most the, cases. the larger ones, and the rest of the C corporations were thirty-four percent. But let's just say it didn't apply to partnerships or sole proprietorships or S corporations or LLCs. So the what, majority of the businesses are those. That's correct. Most are they it's very also, small businesses, also known Mom as small, also known as small businesses. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Very good. So very good. anyway, so here here's what. Uh, what they came up with to try to make this a little bit more equal. Mm-hmm. They said, well, we're not going to lower the taxes for small business net income, but what we're going to do is we're going to give you an extra tax deduction. Okay, And so here's what they came up with. They said 20% of your profits would be a potential deduction. So you make $100,000 of profits, 20% of that's $20,000. So you'll pay taxes on 80000 not 100000 That's an additional deduction. Yeah, because you think about the way this works. Let's say you get you have a business and you make Last a, year, let's say last year I had yeah. $100,000 of profit. That $100,000 of profit flowed through to the front or for my tax return then I would pay ordinary income tax yeah. on that depending on whatever rate. That's right. And, and so this year the 100,000 still flows through to page 1 of your 1040, but you get a, on page 2 you get an extra $20,000 deduction that you didn't have before. Got it. And so there's there's basically one main limitation. Uh, at certain income levels. So let me start there. So if you're single and you make less than about $157,000 of taxable income or married $315,000 of income, it's not that complicated. So the way it works is like this. You take your bottom line profit from your business, not your gross income, not your revenue, but your bottom line profit. Your revenue is one fifty. your expenses were 50000 your profit's a hundred. So it's 20% of $100,000. That's the maximum deduction, QBI deduction you can take. Now, the other thing you have to look at 
is 20% of your taxable income. And if 20% of your taxable income is a lower number, you're limited to that number. So let's just say you only had income of $100,000 and you have the standard deduction. Uh, let's, say, let's say you're single, right? So that's $12,000. So mm -hmm. you end up with $88,000. So 20% of 88,000, <laughs> whatever that is, it's about, what, 18,000? Yeah. 17,500 in my head. 88,000? Yeah, times 20%. 20% is 17,6. 17, 17,6. I got pretty close. Oh, my God. You call yourself a CPA. <laughs> I'm off by 100 bucks. <laughs> anyway, so it's the lower of those two. So in that example, 17,600 is your deduction. Got it. Uh, instead of the 20,000. Now, in, in many cases, mm -hmm. you'll have other income if you're married and your spouse is working, or maybe you've got an interest or dividends or rental real property estate, income yeah, or sure, something. Sure. So let's say... Can uh, I take that? Because real estate, right? The, you can take that deduction in regards to some real estate holdings. Right. Correct? That's true. All right. Uh, could I didn't make that up. It's, <laughs> it's, you, you are correct. <laughs> so what's interesting... So how about if I had a business and some real estate? Can I do a QBI on both? You can. Ah, see. Yes, you can. Double, double dip in here. Right. And so it's 20% on the rental property profits after depreciation. Okay. Right? So maybe you make... Ten grand a year on a rental property, but your depreciation's nine grand, so you're left with a thousand of profit. So twenty percent of that's two hundred dollars. Right. Okay. So in in most cases, the the QBI deduction on rental properties won't be that great, unless you've got lots of rentals. Then it could be a pretty big number. Sure. But Joe, let me just say, that's when your taxable income is below one fifty seven five single three hundred fifteen thousand married. When it when it's above that, it gets a lot more complicated. We don't need to go into. that. I didn't think you wanted to. That was fairly straightforward, and all I heard was mumbo jumbo <laughs> numbers. Just <laughs> you know, you just carry the four, and the one follows I, after that. I've, and next I've, thing you know, you I've, got seventeen thousand yeah. six hundred. And, and I've explained that the the more complicated rules to advisors probably at least five times, and and I always end up with my conversation by saying, just if that happens, come talk to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if that happens to you, just come talk to me because yeah. I'll I'll help you out. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, for instance, let's say, let me just wrap this up into real life. Okay, you got an example for Maybe, me? Maybe. Yeah, I, I can draw one up for you. A yeah. hypothetical okay. situation. Okay, all right. So, I'm a small business owner, and maybe I have, let's call it, million dollars of revenue. Okay. Right? But I got a ton of expenses and inventory and all that other stuff, so my profit might only be 100000 bucks. Okay. So, you got 900000 of expenses, 100000 sure. of profit. Yeah. Yeah. You need because to my go, go to business school. <laughs> Do a little bit better margin. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> because I might have my cell phone bill in that expense, my, my, my car, my mortgage. My pad a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it might be padded just a smidge. Got it. Oh, Let's That's see. never happened to anyone that's a small business owner. No, I'm sure. I've never seen that. <laughs> You've been a CBA for 30-some years. No, I'd be shocked if I saw that. <laughs> that some, someone actually pad their expenses. I can't believe it. Is this really, are you using your cell phone 100%? percent yeah this really is, I'm sure I'm it's, not writing this off I'm sure it's only 90 percent <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everyone goes through that discussion with their accountant don't you think uh, oh sure yeah so um, so with that hundred thousand dollars that's my profit yeah all right so let's say if I do a 401k plan Right. So then I'm putting $24,000 in my 401k plan. I'm just rounding. $24,000 yeah. into the 401k plan. That's going to reduce my deduction. 
it's yeah, your your profit, yeah, right? Because yes. my after my four hundred one k plan that I contribute to, then do I take the QBI deduction or do I take the deduction first? Because my profits. My profit's going to be after I guess my four hundred one k contribution. Yeah, it's, correct. It's a good question, and it, it's there's a little twist to that question, and and so it, there's one answer if you're uh, an owner only, if you have no employees. Right. Let's just assume that slightly different answer if you have employees. So so if it's just you. Right. Well. Okay? So so let's just say it's you. Yes. Okay. We'll start there. So you're hundred thousand dollars, and then you do a four hundred one k, and you're over fifty, so you do twenty four thousand dollars, right, as a as a deduction. So now it's you're paying taxes on what seventy six thousand dollars, correct? But your QBI is on the hundred thousand, so the the twenty percent's on the hundred thousand without regard to the self employed pension plan. Got it. Yeah, so you get the twenty thousand and the twenty four. Interesting, but then it's going to be the higher of the the. Taxable income twenty percent versus the profit twenty percent. Yeah, right? except so if it's, my it's taxable a, income's lower, so uh, the, the yeah. QBI is going to be lower. Yeah, so it's the lower, lower of taxable income, twenty uh, percent of yes. taxable income, or twenty percent of your business profits, without regard to your self-employed pension plan or self-employed health insurance. But see, when you have employees, now the the money that you're paying for their pension plan that actually is a deduction that reduces your corporate your your profits, your business profits. All right. There you go. A little tax chat with Big Al. Pretty good, huh? That was now, was that, did that make the list of things people liked? No, that definitely did make the list. <laughs> it did or didn't? Yeah, well, you know, you got the QBI and the one. You got to figure out the deduction between taxable income. I would think that'd be near the top. Oh, yes. But that, of course, that, I'm biased. That was one of the best segments I think we've ever done. Right. If you're just dying for more tax chat, and based on those survey responses, I know at least 75% of you are, stick around. Coming up, the fellows are going to talk about qualified charitable distributions, Roth conversions, and a whole bunch more mind-numbingly useful stuff to help you lower your tax burden. I've also got some links for you to some tax reduction strategies for high-income earners and more details on this year's tax reform. You can check them out in the show notes for this episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Hey, Alan. You heard of a Roth IRA, correct? Yes, I have. <laughs> and I have an article on it, too. So you start with yours. You got one that says... <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. <laughs> I just took a sip of my uh, energy drink. Right. Didn't go down the... Yeah. The, well, need a little bit more vodka. Got it. <laughs> Put enough in. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, Roths may not be right. How about that? Uh, Ed Slot wrote this, our good friend Ed Slot. I don't know if we can call him a good friend since he's never been on the show and I never met him. <laughs> No, but we like his stuff. <laughs> you went to a seminar, I did. and I've, I've seen him live. <laughs> so that's about as close as it gets. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So he wrote something here, and it was like, all right, well, when when Roths might not be right. And okay. I was like, come on, Ed. There's no situation. <laughs> there is never a situation where a Roth IRA might not be right. Okay. Uh, but here's a couple. Um, I won't go through the whole uh, How many deal do you have? here. Four? No, there's there's quite a few. He kind of wrote something. Uh, there's twelve. Twelve? You're how many? You got like ten pages? Yeah, there? there's there's a, yeah, a page for each. <laughs> so I mean, why don't you take a guess? Why don't you throw a stab at when do you think a Roth IRA the, is not applicable for someone's overall situation? Well, when someone is in a, has a real high income year and they're going to be in a lower income year and maybe through retirement. So in other words, you look at tax brackets. Uh, if you're in a high tax bracket this year and you're always going to be in a lower bracket in future years, you wouldn't do a conversion this year. 
a fundamental principle of tax planning is always pay taxes at the lowest rate. The best situation is for clients to take deductions when tax rates are higher and pay taxes when the rates are lower. There you uh, go. Those planning Roth conversions must know uh, when their bracket is going to be higher or lower. How about this, Alan? This is where I get into arguments with some people. Is that it's not always about, or, all right, you're in a lot. Let's say if I'm in a 24% tax bracket today. Right. Right? And then it's like, all right, well, I will be in a 24% tax bracket in the future. Right. Then it's a wash. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, in in principle, right? I, I agree you, with that. I disagree with that because well, I think there's well, a, a significant there. value to converting if I'm going to stay in the same tax bracket. Yeah, I think there's four reasons, but let's hear yours. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you got four. I already, I already got this nailed. Well, yeah, because we've been talking about it for I don't know 15 years. Except now, the reason why you want to do a Roth conversion, all right, if I'm going to stay in the same tax bracket, because yeah. you always read the BS. It's like, well, if you're in a high tax bracket, yeah. don't convert. Right. I still think it depends on the brackets. If I'm in a 24% tax bracket and I'll be in a 22% tax bracket, I still think it makes sense to convert. Here's my reasoning. Okay. Is that a the number one biggest reason is that it's going to give me tax diversification. If all of my money's in a retirement account, everything is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates, right? right? I have no choice. Every dollar that comes out of the retirement account, I'm paying ordinary income rates on it. If I have Social Security, if I have a pension, I have real estate income, whatever, all of that's going to add up and it might jump me actually into a higher tax bracket. If I'm willing to pay a little bit of tax today to have tax diversification to pull money from different accounts to keep myself in a lower bracket, right? So I could potentially pay 24% tax today and keep myself in the 12% tax bracket in retirement. Do you agree with that? Uh, It's possible. It is possible. Yeah, it's possible. And the reason for that is that, all right, well, I converted, especially with now how big these brackets are, at the 22 and 24% level, I mean, th- those brackets go forever. They, they do. I, I agree with that. Right? So there's a lot more money that you can convert at lower rates. Yeah. So I, I would say it this way, Joe. I would say that let's start with the same bracket. You're in the 24% bracket now. You're always going to be in the 24% bracket. So theoretically, it wouldn't really matter. But the one of the reasons that you just mentioned is the fact that if you, you get more tax diversification. So let's say you have a year when you need more money for whatever reason. And so you can then stay in that same bracket instead of pushing yourself into a higher bracket. Right. That's one of my four reasons. Yes. Well, second, there's no required minimum distributions in a Roth IRA, and that money's going to continue to compound tax-free for their life. So you got and flexibility. And when you pass, it's going to grow tax-free for the kid's life. Great. Right? And so it kind of depends upon their brackets, too. Absolutely. Right. right, and then and then you go to asset location, which which simply means you're if a globally diversified portfolio. You're going to have some assets that uh, have higher expected returns, and some that are safer. And if you can push the higher expected return assets into a Roth IRA over the long term, you'll be able to keep more of your in, your income that way. Yeah. Okay. Well, give me another reason why I should not convert or p- put you, money into a Roth. Oh, why you shouldn't? Should not. Should not. Well, it gets it gets difficult to do, Joe, uh, if you don't have any money outside of a retirement plan to actually pay the tax. Hmm. Is yeah. That, is that on there? The upfront tax bill. Anyone just can't uh, cut a check to do a Roth conversion. So, I mean, sometimes like you got no money outside your Roth, your your four hundred one k or IRA, and you're under fifty nine <laughs> and a half. So the only way to pay the tax is 
withhold money from your IRA, which is tax plus penalty. Which is stupid. Yeah, it, it would be stupid. Okay. So I agree, yeah. All right. So I got two out of 12. Yeah, you got, you got a, a couple more here? What do you think? Uh, how, let's see. How about when you're single? How about this one? Maybe mm-hmm. this one. Maybe Ed Slott didn't think of this one. I don't know. But what if you're single this year in a higher bracket and next year you're going to be married because you're about ready to get married? You're, you're married. Your date's fe- February 2nd. <laughs> Next year, you're in a lower bracket because you're married. I, I would know nothing about no, I know that. You, I, I know, I'm speaking to our listeners because <laughs> it's not something you have experience with. Yes. Um, nope, that's not on the list here, bud. Should be. Yes. A couple of them here, like stealth taxes um, with Roth conversions. Yes. You know, yeah. Um, increase your Medicare expense. Sure, sure. Um, premiums. You could put yourself into um, what higher... Um, net investment income tax potentially, yeah. right? Because that can increase your adjusted we, gross we income. Ha- we actually had a uh, hypothetical case earlier this week where a Roth conversion would have eliminated the QBI deduction. The QBI deduction. Yes, so that's that's exactly right. Uh, for example, medical deductions, child tax credits, the tax uh, taxation on Social Security is another one, and yep. then the potential loss of the new twenty percent deduction for QBI. Yep. Yep. So in other words, more income would mean you'd lose Lose. deductions. So that yeah, that's that's obviously one you got to consider. Let's see, Uh, the effect of qualified charitable deductions. Okay. So we can talk a little bit more about that um, in the next segment. But we've talked quite a bit about those in 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 the recent um, shows. Yeah, we have QCDs, qualified charitable distribution. I think is what it stands. What did I? Yeah, QCD deduction. Well, it's not a deduction; it's a distribution. That's why I corrected you. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I would ever say that. Uh, rewind the tapes, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, qualified charitable distribution. You're distributing assets out of the retirement account. Correct. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, you could give money up to $100,000 from your retirement account directly to a charity. Um, so that does some pretty cool tax planning for a lot of individuals now because of you know, the lack of individuals that will be filing um, a Schedule A. Yeah, right? th- that's exactly right. Because they increased, first of all, they increased the standard deduction. So single is $12,000 and married is $24,000. That's about twice as much as what we had last year. And then they eliminated a bunch of things that we could otherwise deduct. Like, for example, state and local taxes, property taxes, we can only deduct $10,000 regardless of what we pay. And miscellaneous itemized deductions, unreimbursed employer expenses, tax prep fees, investment fees, those are no longer deductible. So a lot of us are not going to be itemizing anymore. So if you're not going to itemize, when you give to charity, it feels good, but you didn't get a tax break, right? So the QCD, we can get in after the break, it can can help that. Yes. Well, I really didn't want to, but I guess we have to now since you mentioned it. (laughs) Stick around. The fellows are about to explain how a QCD can help with that. In the meantime, I've got links to more on Roth IRAs and Roth conversions in the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. And San Diego listeners, we're hosting a free halftime market report lunch and learn in our office here in Mission Valley this Thursday, August 23rd at 11 a.m. Lunch is included. Learn a bit more about the current market conditions, tax reform, and minimizing taxes in retirement. It's this Thursday, August 23rd in San Diego, and it's free. Sign up in the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now, Big Al, how about those QCDs? QCD, Qualified Charitable Distribution. All right. So this is going to be, this is not new, Joe, but it's going to be a bigger deal now with this new tax law because a lot less of us are going to be itemizing our deductions for reasons I mentioned before the break, meaning that 
if you um, uh, the standard deduction is higher than it was before, and, and a lot of otherwise allowable itemized deductions were taken away when this new tax law. So if you're not going to be able to itemize when you give to charity, you're not going to get a tax benefit. So, so let's let, let's talk about this for just a second. Okay. This came out. I don't know what oh six. Yeah, I'm going to sign her. I remember we were in like Kogo Studios. Yeah, well, that would have been like seven, oh, eight. 2006, probably? Seven. Like, remember we Seven. We, seven, way there. Seven. It'd eight. be because we were talking about maybe the Pension Protection Act of 06. Is that when it came out? I don't remember. It might have. <laughs> that was a decade ago. Right. And I have a, just a steel trap <laughs> I memory. Know, I know you do. That's how we look it up on Google. <laughs> yeah. You fact check me. <laughs> you sound convincing, though. Yeah. Anyway, so now it makes a lot more sense. I wonder who came up with this law. Is like, all right, well, here, you can give directly to charity or you can give part of your your RMD to charity. Right. I mean, who, like who... Who thinks of that? Who thinks of that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and what would be the benefit, you know, just to, for, for someone to do that prior to now? Because I think it makes a lot more sense because more more people will not itemize their deductions. Yeah, so what we're talking about is... So they is... get that, that, that good feeling of a tax benefit... Yeah. And still being able to give to the charity versus yeah. if I don't itemize, I'm giving a charity, but I'm not writing so, so, anything off. So to clarify, you're supposed to get a good feeling from giving to charity. Yes, I and do. And the tax benefits the, and the, the extra. Absolutely, and I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you would get a good feeling from the tax deduction. <laughs> Screw the charity. <laughs> um, that is not true. It's not but. true. Okay. All right. I know it's not. Just to cut. When it's, it's, you know what? It sounded like it. It's, it's fair. You, when, I, I can tell our listeners when when you're talking live, it's easy to make mistakes. We all do it, and and usually we do it all day long. No one calls us on it because right. they think they make you sound like an idiot. But that's part of our show. So, so they came up with this QCD, meaning that if you're over seventy and a half, right, you're allowed to give your required minimum distribution directly to charity instead of taking it yourself. So what that effectively does, and there's some rules here, but the, the, what that effectively does is when you take, when it goes directly to charity, it doesn't show up on your return as income. You don't get to deduct it either, but it doesn't show up on your return as income. And in the past, it wasn't that big a deal. People were going, well, what's the difference? Whether I have extra income and I have a similar charitable deduction, my taxable income is the same. Sure. Now, there were reasons to do it, because when you had higher adjusted gross income, maybe more Social Security tax was taxable and and some of these other deduction limitations, but there was less reason. Now there's a lot of reason to do it because very you know, a lot fewer people are going to actually itemize their deductions. So in this way, you think about it, let's say your your itemized deductions would be $12,000, but you're, I'm, I'm talking about a married couple, and, and the standard deduction is 24000 So, of course, you take the standard deduction, the higher of the two. If you give a couple thousand dollars to charity, now your itemized deductions would be 14000 You still take the $24,000 standard deduction, so you didn't get a tax break. And you paid taxes on your $2,000 RMD because it's added income. Instead of that, you do this QCD, you give that $2,000 directly to charity. It doesn't show up as income. You still deduct the $24,000 as your standard deduction and end up paying less taxes. 
That's the idea. You can do your entire RMD up to $100,000. In fact, if your required distribution is a couple thousand dollars, you can give up to 100000 if you want to, and it can count for your required distribution. A married couple is 100 each from their each individual IRAs. So I think because of this new tax law, it's going to be a lot more common. But my feeling is that not too many people know about right. it. Right. They're going to still give, but they're going to give from the wrong account. Right. And, and they may not learn about this for a while, which is why we need to talk about it because if you want to give and and this this is predicated on the fact that you want to give and not everyone wants to give sure. i mean i'll just be honest we see all kinds of people and and a lot of people say my charity is my kids yeah. and i'm totally fine with that yeah. and other people say yeah i want my kids to get x but i want charity to get some and if that's your case then let's let's make sure that you also get a tax benefit as well now this qcd is only for when you're 70 and a half so if you're younger then it doesn't apply uh, there's other strategies like donor advised funds and bunching deductions that could apply to you. Yeah. So when you're looking at this, is if you're if you're under seventy and a half in your giving, um, now is to take a look at: Do you have highly appreciated stock right. or highly appreciated real estate or, or or some asset? Yeah, yeah. And that's what you want to give to charity versus, let's say, cash. Yeah, that's right. And 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 that's and and. A lot of people don't realize this. The charities are generally happy to accept your stock. And so you give your stock worth $10,000 that you bought for 1000 bucks, and your tax deduction is $10,000, right? And you don't pay capital gains tax on the $9,000, right? So that's, that's the benefit. Right now, in some cases, that ten thousand dollar deduction still isn't going to help you because you're not going to itemize your deductions. So what you might do instead is set up a donor advised fund and say, you know what, I'm going to take the next five years of, of donations for and so ten thousand a year, fifty thousand dollars. I'm going to put it into a special account called a donor advised fund, fifty grand all at one time yep. with my appreciated stock. Yeah, but right? on the flip side of that, even if I don't take the deduction, I don't have to pay the tax on the increase. In capital gain. That's true, but I'd rather get both, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah I get it. Considered. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So I mean, it's just, it's just, a, and some people, a lot of people don't. It's hard to say because, and we talk to a lot of folks r- right before they retire, and we give them all these charitable strategies, and they're, I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, what do you mean? I, I'm, I don't, I haven't even retired yet. I don't even know if I have enough money, and you want me to start giving it away? And, and the, the truth is, the only way you can really sort of know is to kind of pencil this out. It's just some conservative assumptions through the rest of your life. Are you going to have money left over or not? And if you are, and you're charitable, then why not give while you're living instead of wait till you pass? To get a bit more into the weeds on planned giving strategies for creating charitable tax deductions with donor-advised funds and QCDs and a whole bunch more, you guessed it, you can find links in the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Joe and Big Al did a whole TV show on the topic, and you don't want to miss it. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. This week, eight mid-year tax planning ideas. Uh, This is from uh, ETFtrends.com. Joe, we know that tax planning, although we we tend to think about it in April of the following year, but the truth is almost every strategy that you can come up with needs to be done in the tax year. Right. Right? So there's things you want to do at the beginning of the year, things that you want to consider mid-year, and things at year end. So this uh, this is mid-year. Okay? So... Number one here is to forecast your 2018 taxes and potential refund. Because the tax law changed, withholding changed, 
uh, and the tax rates changed. And, I, and, and I, potential refund, yeah, some people might be a little... Um, that they, may, they may actually owe. Oh. So I have, I have an idea uh, for you on how to do this. They're, just go to Google and type in TaxCaster. Tax, tax caster. That's actually uh, it's a it's a free calculator on the Intuit website. Okay. And what it does is it asks you questions about your 2017 return and calculates it as if it were 2018 taxes. Now, if you if you know your 2018 taxes are going to be different, maybe you can sort of kind of put those numbers in there. But it's going to give you an idea roughly of what, what, sort of, what sort of change. Are you going to owe more taxes or less taxes? Question for you. Um, LACERT, did LACERT do that automatically? Yeah. If you had an accountant that uses LACERT software, they actually they have a schedule that shows your 2017 taxes, income, deductions, taxes. If you had the same exact same income exact next thing year. In what? Yeah. In 2018, same income, same deductions, what it turns out to be. Got it. And I would say, Joe, in most cases, what we're seeing is the taxes are, are a little bit lower. And, and we weren't so sure at the beginning of the year because of the loss of the state tax deduction. Right. But in most cases, what I've seen is the 2018 our taxes are, are a little bit lower than 2017 as advertised. What about you? I haven't done mine. You, you didn't do your 2017 taxes? No, not yet. It's, it's on extension. <laughs> oh, that's right. I suppose. Have you done yours? I, you know what? I did. Yeah, uh, you beat me this year. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's amazing. I usually it's October yeah, 14th. Yeah, because I'm usually October. Last year I did it in April. What do you think? Do you think you'll pay more taxes? I've um, got a big, big wallet on Big Al. Hard to say. <laughs> hard, hard, hard to say. I'm, I'm hopeful I'll pay less, but okay. I, I don't really know. But anyway, so calculate your taxes. And then number two would be to revisit your W-4 if you don't come up with a good answer. In other words, if your ta- maybe your taxes went down, but your withholding went way down, and you, you're not going to have enough withheld, so you might want to adjust your exemptions or have a little bit more withheld between now and the rest of the year. If you wait till December to do the same calculation, there's probably not enough paychecks to make much of a difference in your withholding. Number three is know that a number of deductions have been eliminated. So if you're counting on, if you're in California, there's, we have high state taxes and high property taxes. And the combination of those two, for some people, 20000 some people 50000 some people more. You're limited to a $10,000 deduction. They call that SALT. SALT. State and local tax deduction, right? So, so that's been reduced. The exemptions have gone away. Miscellaneous itemized deductions are gone. Right, so just be aware of that. So when you're thinking about your taxes for the current year, you may not have as many deductions. And Joe, that's why some people may actually pay more taxes because they've lost certain deductions. Sure. Uh, number four, I already did. Salt deductions are being adjusted. Number five is home equity loans may get more expensive. So it used to be you could borrow $100,000 on your home for any purpose, use it for vacations, cars, paying off credit cards, whatever. And that was deductible. Now it's no longer deductible. There's no grandfathering in. It just it's not deductible anymore. Starting in 2018, so realize if you did that, if you have a home equity loan, and borrowed a hundred thousand dollars for whatever, and you, you've been deducting it in the past, you cannot deduct it this year. But Joe, this is where it gets confusing because a home equity loan, in and of itself, it doesn't. It, sometimes that's deductible, sometimes it isn't. It, it's based upon what the money was used, used for. for yeah. If the money was used to improve your home, it's still deductible, as long as your total mortgages uh, add up to 750000 or less. So you take it to go on a vacation to get refreshed to do some manual labor on your home? Yeah, it doesn't work. That wouldn't work. Doesn't, right. doesn't work. Got it. 
Uh, six is bundle your charitable giving. Yeah, or you can do a QCD. Like we talked about, right? Or donor advice fund. Mainly because if you give the same amount to charity each and every year and you don't have enough to itemize, maybe you want to kind of front load some things so you can have enough to itemize so at least you get some benefit for that. Number seven, state and federal tax law uh, is now different on college savings plans. Uh, they, they changed the rule now that, remember, it used to be only for college. Now it's for, for kindergarten through 12th grade private education if, you, if your kids go to private school. Up $10,000 per year is the max per person. 10000 per year that can be used out of a 529 yeah, plan? Right, per, for K, for, per, per student. recipient. So you have three kids, you could pull out $30,000 <clears> for that purpose. K through 12. K through 12, but be careful because not all states have conformed with that rule, California being one of them that has not conformed. So if you pull out $10,000 and pay for K through 12 in California, you Federally will be, tax-free you will, state you'll will be penalized s- and you'll have to pay income on, that, on those gains. Only for state. Only for state of California. Yes, but the federal tax would be tax-free still. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's what is so weird sometimes. It's like, all right, well, the federal law, I'm not paying federal tax on it, but now i got to pay state tax on it. Right. And, and penalty, too, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's California. Yes, and, and California is not the only state. There's others, too, that didn't conform to it. Number eight uh, is fewer people will be affected by alternative minimum tax. Yes. And that's actually a pretty big deal. Especially if you live in a high-tax state like California or New York or New Jersey, let's just say. So a lot of you folks were itemizing your deduction. You had high state taxes. You had high property taxes. These are big deductions. Or maybe you're a salesperson at your company and unreimbursed expenses. So you had all these expenses. Those expenses, the taxes and miscellaneous itemized deductions were never allowable for alternative minimum tax purposes. So a lot of people were subject to this extra tax. Now, this year, since those deductions are either eliminated or reduced, less people will be subject to alt-min. And then they increase the alt-min exemption, and they increase when it starts phasing out. So we've probably done five or 600 projections this year so far, and I would say less than five people have been subject to alt-min this year, where last year probably would have been a third of all taxpayers. I think I totally... Fell asleep during I, that I know you did. last I could, segment. I could, I could tell. That's why I know you didn't say anything the whole time. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I was just thinking about succession. You were, a TV show. Just trying to get my blood going again. <laughs> you, you do need some more monster energy drink yeah, this, with, yeah. with, with vodka. That whole AMT. <laughs> <laughs> I've got actually. Three. We got 15 more to go. All I right, got, let's I, do I this. I got three more that I added, but we've already talked about them. <laughs> so I'm not going to bore you. QBI deduction, QCD, qualified charitable distribution, number 11, Roth conversions. Yes, knock back that energy drink because it's all Request Tuesday and we're playing the hits. But I think we've all had it with taxes for the moment. What do you think? Well, according to the podcast survey, one of your other favorite things about Your Money, Your Wealth is the guest interviews. And actually, a bunch of you want to hear Joe and Big Al interview Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, and Donald Trump. I'm working on it, but don't hold your breath, okay? In the coming weeks, I do have for you everybody's favorite index investor, Larry Swedro, social security expert, Mary Beth Franklin, Forbes contributor, Jeff Levine, and a guy called Qbert who is planning to abandon his cubicle at the ripe old age of 46. Subscribe to the podcast for free at yourmoneyyourwealth.com so you don't miss a thing. 
Hey, your uh, YouTube's getting into a little bit of problems here. Did you read that in the paper? Uh, no? I don't think I've heard that. What's up? Like with the fake um, downloads. Oh, you know, really? So people are buying people to download oh, their stuff. Oh, sure, to make their videos look more popular. Yes. So they get more followers. So they get yes. more advertising dollars. Yes. I see. Yes. Okay. So it's a great I, idea. We should have tried that. Oh, yeah. Ruthie. <laughs> I think she just got raided by the FBI. My mother. <laughs> Your mother. We got six million views. Yeah. I think she's from, got five all, million all nine hundred eighty-seven <laughs> minutes. <laughs> she just turns it on in the morning yeah, and my mom. She lets her run. loves it. Oh, yep. yep. Invites the neighbors over. Come yeah. here. <laughs> They're talking Roth IRAs. She, you oh, love she, this. She actually watches it? She doesn't, I, no, yeah. I doubt it. Yeah, she used to be a big fan of yeah, everything, your money, your wealth. You know, she used to call into the show. Remember she was on the program one time. I do remember that. Remember we had that segment, it was called the Mojo Money Minute? Yeah. Or something like that? Right. We featured some great company, <laughs> yes. and she wanted to feature, <laughs> yeah. was it, a Coffee co- House or co- something? Coffee house. <laughs> she was so nervous. <laughs> That was, <laughs> it wasn't the worst we've ever had. We had a banker one time that completely froze. We asked questions and answered them. Oh, my God. What's a, what, what's a private banker? Well, I guess it's when you help people with their private affairs. And and, and what kind of services do you provide? Well, I, I guess you have deposits. <laughs> you make some loans, probably. Uh, oh, my God. That was hilarious. So uh, you're a private banker. What? Uh, hello? <laughs> so what the hell is a private baker? Uh, uh, help. I've never. <laughs> she, remember she asked for help. She said, Tom, Tom. help. Tom, help. <laughs> we're live on the radio, lady. Fortunately, there was a cohort that <laughs> yeah. answered her questions. Yes. He's, uh, he was a lender, but he answered the private <laughs> banker question. Tom? <laughs> oh, God. They had their marketing person out oh, filming the whole thing. Yes, that was awful. That was a couple of years I, ago. I don't think it went on their website. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so Shouldn't either. Have. <laughs> uh, oh man. Yes, we've had quite the guests on this show. We have. Quite the guests. Yeah. They're they're improving. Yes. They're getting much better. <clears throat> yeah. What well, uh, we had Meb Faber. Yes, we he did. was on a couple weeks ago. That was then we had Morgan Housel. Right. Steel Trap, Andy. Steel yeah, Trap. Yeah, I know you got it. Who, who do we have this week? Uh, we have Alan Clopine. <laughs> and Joe Anderson. Yes. We have, um, it's just us this week. Okay. Yeah, Andy's slacking off. She doesn't agree <laughs> yeah. with you from, by like, that yeah. expression. Well, I took. I went on vacation last week, so I kind of messed her up. Yeah, the last week's show was awesome. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> uh, we had um, Sexy Joe Swashinger. What's his name? Schwager. Schwager. Oh, you did? Yeah, Joe Schwager. Oh, nice. What'd you talk about? We talked about some annuities in life insurance because he's our insurance specialist. Yeah, he's our specialist. Yeah. So we talked did about that. Did you learn that. something? I learned a couple of things. Yeah. Not much. I had to kind of school him a little bit. Got it. He was uh, a little nervous. Well, so. this microphone, when you're not used to it, oh, it's, it's uh, intimidating. It's hot. <laughs> hot. You got to be careful what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Got a question? I do. We okay. got a, um, this is an email sent to us from Cynthia. Okay. Hi, Al and Joe. Okay. Not sure why you're now. Al, yeah. Oh, for, first. I think that's because I'm the smarter one. <laughs> so, well, that's probably true. First, <laughs> love your show. Thank you, Cynthia. Yeah, that's good. Has stuff. anyone ever told you that you are the NPR Car Talk uh, Personal Finance? Yeah, Tappet Brothers Personal Finance. You listen to that show? I do. I do now. <laughs> I've so you, heard that before. Yeah, we have. Actually, I just listened to that on this this trip. Now they're one of the brothers passed away, so it's they're on reruns. But that is bar none the funniest talk show that there is. I think. 
Uh, you are hilarious. Uh, so that's quite a compliment, Thank Cynthia. you very much. I, I appreciate that. Uh, but you know um, what you're talking about. Well, sometimes we do. Yeah. All right. Um, I have a general investment question, please. Okay. Husband and I are both uh, 63, and he retired last week. Congratulations. Yeah, great. And I will retire in a few months. Awesome. Uh, we have a net worth of $5 million, including $2.1 million in before-tax retirement accounts. Okay, good for you. That's All right. fantastic. A couple million bucks in a retirement account. All right. The broker assigned to our accounts at Fidelity uh, tells us we are invested too aggressively in U.S. stocks at 80%, foreign stocks at 15%, and 5% bonds. He's right, as we have never been excited about investing in bonds. Hmm. Bonds are not exciting. Yeah, that's they are boring. Very boring. Okay, now this is my question. Since my husband just retired with $500,000 in his before-tax 401k, should we transfer that sum to his Fidelity traditional IRA and create a five-year CD ladder inside his IRA? We are thinking about 500k CDs with staggered maturity dates up to five years. Uh, we are nuts. Oh, are, are we, we nuts? nuts? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Cynthia. Are we nuts to go with CDs in a traditional IRA? All five CDs would be FDIC insured, as they would be purchased by Fidelity from different institutions. And we right now would realize an average return of about 2.8 or 14 grand per year. To us, this seems like a very conservative way to hang out about 25% of our retirement assets while uh, we let the rest ride in the market. What do you think? That's a great question because <coughs> bonds have their pros and cons and CDs have their pros and cons. I, I think I'll start with the U.S. stocks at 80%, foreign stocks at 15%. So that's 95% in the stock market for people that are uh, just about to retire. I would agree. That's, that's a little bit rich in terms of, of being aggressive. And the reason is because, well, I don't know your situation, Cynthia. We, but, get, but, we need more information here. But I'm going to make an assumption, which is you may need this money for your retirement income. And if so, that's why you want to have some safety, because the stock market is not always reliable day after day. Cynthia, here's what I would look at. First of all, you are retiring in a couple of months, and your husband just retired. So we need. So you got 2.1 million dollars in retirement accounts. So is this $500,000 that is in this 401k, is that on top of the 2.1? So there's no, 2.6? I, I read that as part of the 2.1. Okay. So is there any after-tax monies? Right. That's that's a great question. To is start there with. any Roth monies? Right. How much do you have in cash? What is your Social Security benefits? What is your pension benefits? And how much money are you spending? That is going to dictate your overall portfolio. Right. All right. Do you have kids? Do you are you charitably inclined and everything else? So what you want to look at is to say, hey, all right, we want to spend a hundred thousand dollars a year. We're both sixty three years of age, so we probably have thirty year life expectancy. So I don't want to pull out any more than four percent out of the portfolio in any one given year. With that being said, at sixty three, do you have a pension in place? All right. If you do not, what's your Social Security benefit and what's your Social Security strategy? When do you want to claim your benefits? Is it 63? Is it full retirement age or is it age 70? Right. And then do you want to claim yours and have your husband's claim later or should you do the opposite? Whatever. You need a claiming strategy there because that's going to be a fixed income stream for the rest of your life. 
Then you can determine, all right, well, now I have my fixed income. I want to spend $100,000. Maybe my Social Security benefit is $50,000, right? Uh, combined, just sure. hypothetically. Sure. So I'm short 50 grand. They got 2.1 million. 50,000 into 2.1, Al, is a pretty low distribution rate. That's right. Would you agree with that? I, I would. You're looking at what? Two and a half percent. Yeah, two percent. Two and a half percent. Yeah, right. right. Then you have to pay a little bit of tax on that. And then there's a cost of living adjustment. So if your distribution rate is four and you're only pulling two, hey, all right, well, you're not, the, the demand for the portfolio is not all that much. So having a larger weight to equities is just fine, in my opinion. The bigger question is, okay, well, how much should be in fixed income? And should she select a CD ladder versus a bond portfolio? Right. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of her doing, hey, let me do a $100,000 CD to get $14,000 of income because do they need that $14,000 of income? Or are they going to keep it in the IRA? Are they going to take the interest? Are they going to distribute it out of the overall account? And is that enough? Or are they going to have to take distributions from other part of the overall portfolio? So I think this is the problem with people segmenting certain parts of their portfolio or certain parts of their financial plan without looking at the big picture. What is the tax implications of the income? How much money do you need from the overall portfolio? Do you have kids that you want money to go to? Is there going? Oh, how much money do you actually need? And so on and so forth. All of this is going to help you to devise the correct portfolio for you versus just listening to your broker at Fidelity saying, hey, I think you, you got too much money in stocks. What the hell do you know? Don't tell me that, broker from Fidelity. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I, I agree with that. Thank and, you. And, and that's that's true of almost every question we get. We don't really have enough information, so for us to answer properly, we have to make up assumptions, or we have. But to... I think I can give her a, a track yeah. to run on. Yeah, right. Then you can have a more constructive conversation with your broker at Fidelity and saying, hey, maybe you should take a look at this. Maybe help me with a, a, a little bit more versus saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'll buy 500000 of CDs. Let's just ladder this thing out, and I'm going to do, you know. So. Right, right. Anyway. But I, I do like CDs, and I, I do like bonds. Um, but I think we can educate our listeners on both um, at some point. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. For Big Al Clopin, I'm Joe Anderson. Andy Last, wonderful job, even though you didn't do anything. Thanks, Joe. We'll see you next week. Yeah, that's me over here not doing anything but making sure that you can actually listen to this podcast. Anyway, in that uh, podcast survey, you also told us that you love hearing Joe and Big L answer listener questions like that one. And in order to do that, we need you to send us yours, just like Cynthia did. You've got two options. You can call and leave your question in a voicemail at 888-994-6257, or you can email it to info at purefinancial.com. Just hit that go back 10 seconds button in your podcast app if you missed that. And hey, we take requests too. If there's something you want to hear on the show, you don't have to wait until the next podcast survey. Email it to us. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen next time for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Get a free financial assessment at purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Time for a sandwich. We'll see you next week.